Today's edition of the Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh has been pre-recorded. This is the Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The Word to Stand On for Life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. show. I I opened that way because I was up last night in an absolute panic because I didn't know what day it was. I'm trying to figure out what I was, where I was supposed to be. It's Wednesday and this is the word to stand on for life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, welcoming you to another show. Um, We're here to take your phone calls and answer questions on the Bible, questions about things going on in your life, we'll do what we can to answer whatever question you might have. You have only to call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. If you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. You need only to hit the button that says call now and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. And then with the hands-free feature, you'll be safe and that's what we want. One more time, our main number is 340-9585. I got to do something really cool today, and it's one of the things that that I do once a year. Uh, Paul and I were able to take our teachers here at our academy uh, out to our teacher and staff appreciation luncheon. Um, You know, these men and women have worked so hard all year long, and, you know, it's not nearly enough to take them to a a free lunch and and say thank you. Uh, They know our hearts, and they know we're grateful Um, But these guys, these men and women are heroes. You know, I I think I said on the program earlier this week or maybe late last week that this is our 20th year that we're going to be ending in the school. Uh, It's not. It's our 19th year. Um, But 19 years of a free school. Uh, We don't charge anything. It was a school that people said was impossible. But this is one of those things that God said that uh, he wanted to do. And he has sustained us for all of those years. And uh, our kids have been thriving. Um, The teachers have been so abundantly blessed. And when I say free, I mean, there's no money coming in at all for the school. Uh, We don't solicit donations or anything. What that means for these teachers is that they're making huge sacrifices. Every one of them could and should be out in the world making more money with their skill set. 
But they view this as their calling from the Lord. This is a mission field. And they are making personal sacrifices, sort of in a spiritual sense, putting their money where their mouth is. Um, and oh, how the Lord has so abundantly blessed them. And these men and women, we have very little turnover. We're actually going to lose a, a woman who has been serving faithfully for a whole bunch of years. Uh, she's not coming back next year. Can family situations have arise? Uh, she is a new grandma and wants to spend more time uh, with her grandkids in another state. And um, but, but these people have been so faithful for so very, very long. And I couldn't do it without them. So I want to thank God publicly for them one more time. Let's start today with the phones. We've got Stephanie on line one. Stephanie, thanks for calling early. You're on the air. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you well. Thanks, Stephanie. Okay. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, uh, this, I guess, summit, but it's a global leadership summit. Are you familiar at all? Um, I'm not, Stephanie. Fill me in. Um, It's where you have different speakers that come in. Different churches will house these individuals, so it's kind of like on a satellite program. But I have found in the last few that I've attended, it's a mix of believers and non-believers. Some mixed emotions in the sense that my church has supported this for many years, but as I bought in different books and have begun to read them, I see that some of them obviously aren't biblically founded or are not really the current way in which things are being taught, and I'm starting to get the idea that it's just a book sale. <laughs> and so <laughs> I know, is it T.D. Jakes? Which oh, my goodness. Yeah. Was one yeah, I, I, years I, ago. Yeah, I, I do know what you're talking about now. I, when you mentioned T.D. Jakes, I was familiar with it. You know, Stephanie, there's absolutely nothing of value the world has for us. And to, to bring in churches that are heretical or to bring in churches that don't have a high view of Scripture and, and, and even worse, probably, is bringing in unbelievers and try to, to solve problems is nothing more than an attempt to, to reach out in a popular forum, um, get lots of attention, at the same time uh, solicit donations and, and have a source of income. Uh, um, I'm with you. If your church is participating in it, I would sit down and talk with my pastor about it, do it in love. And of course you call before, do it with respect. And, um, um, but, but, but there's just nothing of value outside of the word of God and partnering with unbelievers, people who are coming at the problems that we have in this world from a perspective that says there is no God or even worse, that they don't care about God is a recipe for disaster and and uh, a potential stumbling block for a whole bunch of people. So uh, I'm um, I'm vaguely familiar with it now that you mentioned T.D. Jakes. Um, there are so many false teachers out there, but looking for a forum. And in this Internet world, in this uh, attention-starved world that we live in, um, you know what? Our focus needs to be on Jesus Christ alone. So uh, I, I, I would talk to your pastor and ask him what he's thinking, why he's doing it, express your concerns, and then prayerfully um, bring it before the Lord. But it's not something that I would ever participate in, 
nor would I encourage any real born-again Christian to participate in it. Okay, I appreciate that. And I, on a side, another side that you don't have to answer if you don't really know, have you ever heard of Freedom Prayer or Freedom Tools? Uh, only vaguely again. I, I, I had a question about it uh, some time ago. Um, but, uh, again, in any of those tricks and gimmicky things, um, whether it's freedom prayer, social prayer, or anything else, uh, this is just, just nonsense. You know, Jesus tells us how to pray. Paul gives us wonderful examples of how to pray. And um, uh, just just not a fan of those kind of things. I just have seen that grow in the last two to three years of my church and some other things. And so it's just made me question uh, a few factors that I've sometimes been searching and looking at other churches. But I know I need to be really careful uh, about changing yeah. churches. So. You know, Stephanie, as I said, you, you called before, and you have a, a wonderful gift of discernment. So learn to trust it. When when uh, something doesn't feel right to you, that's the Holy Spirit prompting you. I'm going to do uh, I'm going to do some research on freedom prayer uh, and see if if I can find out more uh, what it's about, and maybe I'll address it on the program on Friday. Stephanie, thank you for calling. I appreciate it very very much, and I honor you for your commitment to the Word of God. Uh, in a church that is maybe just a little bit less committed to the veracity of the word than you are. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question that came in from Mitch. Uh, He says, uh, what are your study habits for preparing messages? Mitch, it's changed so much over the years. Uh, really changed over the years. You know, I've been doing this now for 24 years. By the way, um, May 31st is our 24th birthday as a church here at Calvary Chapel. I am just in awe of what God has done. Um, But, you know, it used to take me like it does every new pastor, preacher, uh, a long time to study uh, something. Uh, You know, over the years, I have been through nearly the entire Bible. There's still some Old Testament uh, books that I haven't gotten through because we only do uh, the Old Testament one night a week. Incidentally, while I'm thinking about it, tonight's one of my favorite messages out of Isaiah chapter 30. Um, you know, Isaiah can be long, and it can be tedious, it can be difficult. Later, it gets really, really encouraging. Uh, but this is, in the first half of the book, uh, one of, if not the most encouraging chapters uh, in the entire prophecy. And, and that's going to be our our message tonight here at Calvary Chapel. Uh, But again, only once once a week do we teach out of the Old Testament, so that's taking a little bit longer to get through. Um, But, um, you know, at the beginning, um, there was just a lot of time and a lot of study and a lot of prayer and then a lot of reading that will go into preparing uh, the messages um, as uh, I've written my own commentaries, I have um, um, all my commentaries on my computer and file. Uh, it certainly becomes easier and less time-consuming. I don't have to reinvent the wheel, and I, I don't have to um, um, do all of the hard research um, all over again because it's already been done. So basically, Mitch, what I'm trying to do is listen to the Bible. Paula reads it to me. Uh, as I put it on paper, um, I'm listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying. I know what the, the passages say. Now I want to know what God wants to say. And so that is, uh, that's really what it takes. And 
I don't spend nearly as much time as I used to. The other thing that's changed, and this has been the case now for a lot of years, maybe 10 years here at Calvary Chapel, um, I do three studies, three full studies a week. I have a, a Wednesday night Old Testament, a New Testament Friday night, and then on Sundays a different New Testament book. You know, if I was spending uh, 10, 15 hours on each of those studies, I simply wouldn't be able to do that. And um, again, knowing what it says, getting the word in, uh, I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to bring the word out. Wherever you are, Mitch, in your um, particular personal study journey, um, just study until you feel like you've heard the Lord. Don't, don't spend a bunch of hours just because you'd feel guilty if you didn't, or you wouldn't feel spiritual if you didn't. Um, just remember, these are God's people. You're God's servant. This is God's word. And what you want to communicate is what God wants to communicate through you. And when you do that with an emphasis on this is what it says, this is what it means, and this is how we apply it in our lives. And my focus is always on the application. You know, there's no value in my church learning tonight all about uh, King Hezekiah and, and, and the, 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 the history of failure of the people of God, uh, Israel, uh, unless we can apply it in our lives these thousands of years later. So that's, I think, the, the, the primary thing. Make sure your heart is right. Spend time in prayer. Um, keep your ears and your heart open to hear from the Lord. Um, but uh, that's really what Bible study is all about. So Mitch, I, I, I don't know if that's what you're asking, but that's, um, that's the best I can do. Let's go to Jim calling from San Marcos Online 1. Jim, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Ron. Thanks for doing your show. Thanks, Jim. This is a uh, this is the time of the of the day when I listen to you. I right, want to get off work, and I'm, I'm like I'm hanging out with a brother who who's bold, <laughs> who is telling truth, who's not trying to sugarcoat. And then I go to a church Sunday morning, and I get pulled down into a little depression. Our Sunday school class is very very soft teaching in terms of uh, anything goes. Somebody in the little crowd, the men. That's something everybody goes, oh, okay, that's good. This week they brought up that uh, little boy going to heaven movie and how great it was. And, oh, and, my goodness. Uh, how the picture of the little boy's sister drew in the movie, that's how. That's what Jesus really looks like. And then somebody was talking about, uh, we were talking about the, the wide gate and the narrow gate. And uh, I said, well, both of them are marked heaven. And it was like I had three heads. Oh, did we and lose you? doesn't specifically say that in the text. Oh, we lost you. Uh, and Jim, you're free to call back uh, 340-9585. Uh, oh, you're there, Jim. I guess we lost you just for a second. Go ahead. You got me back now? I got you back. Thank you. Okay, I'm sorry. Out in the hills. Um, <laughs> but the, the idea of the wide gate and the broad gate, both of them, people think they're going to heaven. Uh, they think they're the correct path. But, but I just mentioned that, that I thought both paths were marked heaven because the whole... The whole section of scripture there is about true and the false, the real and the, the phony. You know, what what do you think on that? I mean, I know it doesn't say marked marked heaven, but isn't it implied right there that the the wide path, the wide gate, if people think it's the right way? Yeah, Jim, you're you're right. People think it's the right way. Uh, that, that's when Jesus says that the the the, the broad road or the wide road is well traveled. But in both cases, and I just taught this last week, it's not exactly the same passage, 
uh, but a similar teaching in in Luke uh, uh, last Sunday. Um, Jesus makes it really clear at the end. He says, um, depart from me, you doers of evil. And the idea there is how we're going to get to heaven. And and the, 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 the broad road is always the way to destruction. Now, the people on it kid themselves into thinking that it's a legitimate path, that they're okay. But the same thing is true. Uh, in the Bible study I did Sunday when the people say, but Lord, didn't you teach in our streets? And didn't we, weren't we here with you and saw the things that you did? And Jesus says to them, look, I don't know you. And I don't know where you came from. And and uh, the, 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 the tragedy, Jim, is that we have too many churches uh, and Sunday school classes that will let somebody who's on that broad road feel comfortable while they're taking a trip, hoping to cash in that eternal life insurance policy in the end, only to find out that it has no value, that it's fraudulent. And that's the point Jesus is making in those parables. That's the exact point that I try to make to my pastor and the elders. And they they come up with the, well, everybody in our congregation is saved. We know that. And, and, And I say, you can't say that, man. I mean, you don't know for sure. We need to warn people that they could be deceived. Yeah, and Jim, I, when people tell me that, I tell them, look, except a man be born again, he will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right. And unfortunately, in a lot of denominational churches, we've got people that have been baptized. They've been sitting in church their whole life. And by the way, this is the application I made uh, on on our, my Bible study last Sunday. Uh, there's just far too many people sitting in church who are comfortable there, who ought to be made uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, Jim, again, I, I know you, you people get committed to churches, and we have an investment in churches. We care deeply about the people in those churches. But the honest truth is, as you seek to get deeper in the Lord, and as you seek to tell people the truth, if you have a church that isn't supporting that, then it's time to find a new church. It's, it's, it's pretty straightforward for me. Uh, it would kill me to have to leave a church like the one that I'm privileged to pastor. But the truth is, every one of my people have been told, if I get goofy or if I start, um, you know, accepting the broad road theology that's out there now, I told them, you need to run to another church that's going to declare the truth about the Word of God. And, uh, you know, uh, both of those roads are not going to end up in heaven. There is a narrow road that you find, and our job as Christians is to make sure that Everybody in our sphere of influence becomes one of the few that find that narrow road to yeah. salvation. All right. Thanks, Ron. I appreciate you, man. My pleasure, Jim. God bless you. I appreciate you as well. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Let's go to Kay calling from San Antonio. Kay, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. Thank you so much for Hi. taking my call. My pleasure. Um, I just wanted to um, confirm like what the previous caller just said and what you um, were just speaking of. I just came from um, a seeker-friendly church, and um, after being there for many years and praying that the message would come more in line with the Word of God, um, I went and I respectfully um, challenged my pastor um, because it was total messages on love, God is love, everybody, not everybody's going to heaven, but it, it was implied that I think it made people very comfortable to fit where they are, 
it was definitely a mission that for people to get saved and come into the church. But there was little teaching on repentance and righteous living after that. And so um, I finally had to leave. And I just want, I'm just totally thankful for your ministry. I've been attending your church now for about a month, and I'm seriously thinking about um, committing there. I don't know if you know how hard it is to find a full gospel church that is truly preaching the whole word. I don't, if the pastor steps up, I didn't go to my pastor like I was holier than now. It was, Uh I need to hear the, the full word of God to help correct my way. I know I'm saved. I love the Lord. But I just was so worried about the souls there, and I really hated to leave. I, it was a very mm-hmm. tough decision because I've been here for several years. But I just want to really encourage you, and not that I'm saying you need it. I, I'm sure fine <laughs> in the area, but it is just so refreshing. I cannot wait to get to church on Sunday morning since I've been at Calvary Chapel. I love your ministry. Um, oh, you sure. guys are just amazing, and I just really appreciate the word that you are giving to San Antonio and please don't ever stop and let oh, the Lord tell you. Thank you, you Kay. So, hey, Kay, yeah. let, let me, let me you. encourage you. I, I, uh, you're, you're welcome. Please keep listening. Uh, if if uh, I, I, we have church tonight, but I'm going to be talking about this very thing because this is is, is the application of chapter 30 for us. Um, you know, the, the, the people that Isaiah is prophesying to. Now, Isaiah, we know is is arguably the holiest guy in scripture you know between him and daniel it would be a, a, a good race but um um you know god accuses them through isaiah of saying look you say we don't want to hear any more prophets we don't want to hear any truth and what they wanted was to be told everything is going to be okay and isaiah's message was just the opposite so god says okay if you don't want to hear i'm going to stop talking and that's exactly what he did and so tonight's Old Testament study is very current and very relevant in the time that we live in. So uh, uh, you can watch it live stream at calvarysa.com tonight at seven o'clock, and uh, um, it'll be on uh, on it'll be archived uh, before the morning or by the morning. So if you can't get here uh, or can't watch it live, it will be archived, and it's going to address these very very things. Last thing I want to say to you, Kay, and I'm so grateful that you called, because there's a lot of times I don't get to meet people. Would you please come up and get in my face on Sunday so that I can put a name with a face and give you a hug? I would appreciate it very, very much. I love when people say, you know what, all I want is the truth. Thank you, Kay. God bless. What a what an encouraging question that was. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Um, you know, it is more than heartbreaking to hear that it's hard to find a church that's teaching the Word. Um, we live in a time where we want our ears tickled, where we want to leave church feeling good about ourselves. And um, those are the biggest churches. Um, those are the churches that kind of set the standard for others. Well, if I do what they do, then I'll be big, too. And, and we're forgetting that God is a God of righteousness and justice. And above all of his other attributes, he's a God of holiness. And until we teach people how to repent, and boy, tonight's Bible study has such a great teaching on repentance. God says repentance equals rest for your soul. 
And in this busy, crazy, complicated world we live in, there's so many Christians. I said in Jim's call, there are too many Christians who are comfortable in church who ought to be made very, very uncomfortable. And that's the reason we come. We come to get right with God and stay right with God. And so uh, tonight is going to be a really, really good study. Not, not good because I'm going to do it well, but just good. It's a message that we need to hear uh, to remind us. And um, I may even use this as sort of the introduction for the Bible study tonight, Kay and Jim. So thank you for, um, for just sharing your heart. It is because of people like you that we know the truth uh, is going to eventually win out. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. I got one minute. Let's see if I have a one minute only question. I do. Here's one from Red. Uh, he says, "My church is King James version only. Is that a solid position?" Red, it is not. Now I love the King James, so I'm not anti King James at all. I love it. I love it. I love it. But it is just the worst kind of scholarship, dishonest scholarship to say that the King James is the only inspired or authorized Bible. So um, it's not a church that's built on a solid foundation. It's not a church that is able to communicate uh, what they really believe with any any intel- intelligence. So uh, it's not something that I would hold on to. Really. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the program. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. We'll be back on the other side of the break. See you in two minutes have time to call into the word to stand on for life no problem if you've got questions you can email them to pastor ron at pastor ron kslr at gmail.com that's pastor ron kslr at gmail.com today's edition of the word to stand on for life with pastor ron arbaugh has been pre-recorded Back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of the program. We have 30 minutes. Take your calls and answer your questions. 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Stephanie, I hope you're still listening. Uh, first call of the of the first uh, of the show today uh, asked about this global summit. Um, my my uh, research assistant here uh, looked it up. It is a um, a function put on by the Willow Creek Association. And Stephanie Willow Creek is one of those secret churches um, trying to build a bridge between the world and the church. Um, um, in reality, allowing people to to hold on to their worldliness. And I can just tell you, frankly, there is nothing of value about it. Willow Creek, uh, Willow Creek Association has has been devastating for an entire generation of Christians. Uh, Willow Creek became the the model that others emulated in, in instilling sort of a secret sensitive method or approach to the gospel, giving people what they wanted instead of giving them what they needed. Uh, and, and knowing that, um, there's, um, there, there's no way that you could um, recommend that to anyone at any time. And, and I'll be really direct and say there's no value at all to this thing. 
Um, as you may or may not know, Stephanie, um, the founder of Willow Creek is Bill Hybels, and he was forced to resign um, last year uh, in disgrace. Um, a, a man who taught um, a seeker-sensitive message um, had his own sin struggles that he was hiding, and um, the Lord makes sure that they're going to come out. Now, there's no doubt that Bill Hybels is a Christian, but he behaved for a very, very long time like he wasn't, and the people around him said and did nothing. Um, Willow Creek is a church that, um, and she has since left because of the scandal last year, uh, but they appointed a, a woman pastor to a, a great deal of fanfare. Um, just sort of, let's just meet the world where it is. And um, um, so that that's what it is, Stephanie. And you are... Um, you're hearing the spirit of God um, kick in your, your your spirit of discernment. So, um, again, thank you for for caring. Here is a question from our an anonymous question. In fact, I got um, several anonymous questions today. This one says, Pastor, do you have any hope for a revival before Jesus comes back? Anonymous, I do. It's the one thing I pray for all the time. Um, you know, we are in a, a place where um, uh, uh, the church is so compromised uh, in the United States, um, in the world, to be sure. But, but you know, we're, we're in, the, in the country. Acts chapter 17 says, God's put us where we are at the very time we're there for a mission, for a purpose. And our mission is to help people find God. But to do that, we've got to tell them who he is. And our church just isn't doing that. I mean, I don't mean Calvary Chapel. I mean the church at large. And so um, um, my constant prayer before the Lord is that before Jesus comes back, and I expect him at any time, um, I live my life, at least I hope that I do, I live my life in such a way that if he comes back right now, I'm ready. If he doesn't come back for a while, well, then I'm faithfully serving him until uh, until that moment when he comes. When he comes, I want to find, I want him to find me uh, being faithful. And so, Lord, one more great revival, one more great move of your spirit before you return. And that's been my prayer for a very, very long time. Now, the problem with that is twofold. One, honestly, we don't need a revival as much as we need a re-Bible. And I hope the distinction there is clear to everybody. We need to return to the Word of God. We need to let the Spirit of God convict us through the Word of God so that we can get to that place where we can hear the Lord, where we can be moved by God's Spirit. And the problem is we have so many people coming to church just sort of to cross it off of their religious to-do list, and they're not really interested in hearing God at all. Um, so before there's going to be a revival, there needs to be a return to the Bible. And I always use the read Bible because it helps people remember it. Um, the, the other problem... Um, is that we live in a time where we see large um, parts of the professing Christian church. We see them constantly accepting the sins of this world rather than calling sin, sin. I say chapter 5 says we live in a time, and it was true then, it's true now. We live in a time where good is called evil and evil is called good. And so much of the professing church, and I use that term specifically because not everybody who claims to know Christ really does. And 
Uh, we live in a time where it says, no, homosexuality is not that big a deal. You know, if God made him that way, uh, why don't we pick on other sins? And uh, now it's marijuana. And, uh, you, you know, until we get serious about Jesus, until we get serious about walking with him, Apostle John says that, that because he is the light, for us to have fellowship with him, we have to walk in the light. And just too many professing Christians aren't walking in the light and our message and our witness is being compromised. So I hope and I pray for revival. But I got to tell you, based on what Paul tells Timothy uh, at the end of his life in Second Timothy chapter 3, um, and, and combine that with what we see in the world every day, uh, it doesn't look promising. It, it seems to suggest, uh, Anonymous, that the world before Jesus returns is going to get worse, not better. And our job is to serve with urgency. Paul says, make the most out of every opportunity. In so doing, we're redeeming the time. We're not letting anybody go uh, out of our sphere of influence without hearing about Jesus. So yeah, I have great hopes for revival. There's people I love, people in my family, um, people that have been in and out of this church for years. Calvary Chapel is a hard place to come to church because I'm direct. And um, um, if we're going to have ears to hear God, then there might be a revival. But uh, like our Bible study tonight in Isaiah, uh, if people don't want to hear, God's simply not going to talk to them. And he knows our hearts. So um, we can pray together, Anonymous, for one last revival uh, before Jesus returns for his church. Uh, here's a question from Adam. He says, do you have any favorite Bible teachers? Uh, I do, but they change all of the time, Adam. Um, um, I have in the last, oh, I'm going to say three years, um, really began to appreciate, I'll give you some contemporary ones, uh, the, the, the Bible teaching ministries of uh, Adrian Rogers, of course, who's with the Lord, and I've answered this question uh, before. He is, uh, from my perspective, sort of the prince of preachers uh, in the West. Uh, now he's with Jesus, and he knows how much he didn't really know back then. But but what a preacher and uh, a godly man. Um, he, he is on local radio here in San Antonio, and he is somebody that I can recommend highly. Uh, I have come to really appreciate in these last couple of years the Bible teaching ministry of Tony Evans. And i got to tell you, Tony's hard for me to listen to because I, I'm not a yeller and I don't like being yelled at. And, and he is animated and he gets uh, out there. But what a, a marvelous, gifted Bible teacher and uh, a life filled with uh, an abundant fruit that's been produced um, by the Lord through, through Tony Evans and his ministry. Um, uh, when you hear Tony answer questions and do one-on-ones with crowds, uh, he is just spectacular, and and I uh, appreciate him very, very much. And then another one that um, I don't think his Bible study is exceptionally difficult. He's not, uh, he's a very bright guy, but he doesn't try to, to, to convince us how bright he is. Uh, but David Jeremiah, and I think in all three cases, um, um, Adrian Rogers, who's with the Lord, Tony Evans, who's been doing this for 35 years or so, 
uh, and in David Jeremiah's case, as he's getting older, as I'm getting older, I look at these men and I just keep thinking, I want to finish as well as they are. Uh, I, I know David Jeremiah slightly and uh, have had occasion to talk to him. And here's a guy who's been through cancer. Uh, he has um, um, every reason to retire. And instead, he's just getting more and more and more convinced that the time is short and he's going to work even harder and he's got to, got to push even harder. And uh, I just appreciate a guy who could sit back and rest. You know, he's the author of a lot of books. He's probably got all the money in the world that he'll ever need. But here's a guy who wants to serve Jesus. And, and I really appreciate his ministry for that. Um, other Bible teachers, um, I'll just mention a couple. Uh, uh, we've got a guy in Calvary Chapel named Joe Foch that I think is a, a, a terrific Bible teacher. And uh, I think uh, one of the two or three best that we have in our Calvary Chapel Association of, of uh, pastors. Um, and, and then, you know, there's some others that I'm listening to, but uh, as for favorites, that's kind of kind of the list. So, Adam, thank you for the question. Let's go to Cindy calling from San Antonio on line one. Cindy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron. You know what? I'm wondering, is it possible for somebody to accept Jesus as their Savior and not be filled with the Holy Spirit and still go to heaven? It's like maybe their life never changes. It's because they they just haven't been filled with the Spirit. Also, the other bigger reason I wondered about was somehow I got it in my mind that after the rapture, Anybody that's left behind that accepts uh, Jesus as their Savior, that the Holy Spirit doesn't come back to earth again, and, and, and they don't get filled. So I'm wondering, how do you go to heaven if you don't have the Holy Spirit? So I'll let you untangle me and listen on the radio. Okay, I can do that, Cindy. Thank you very much. That is a great question, by the way. It's, it's, uh, it really makes you think. Um, two things, Cindy. Let me deal with the last one first. Um, when the Holy Spirit's taken away with the rapture of the church, that doesn't mean he's not coming back. It doesn't mean that he, you know, he's everywhere. It just means that, that, that we, the church of Jesus Christ, Christians filled with the Holy Spirit, we are the restrainers of evil. In other words, as evil as this world is, has, has become, uh, if we were to uh, be taken out of here, if the only light left on earth was to, to be gone in an instant, well, imagine the whole world would be only dark all the time. If you remember, Jesus said that that's the way it's going to be at the very end. He said it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. And Genesis tells us that in the days of Noah, every inclination of man's heart was only evil all the time. So when the light is taken away, then the world is going to be given over to complete Irreversible darkness. Now, having said that, the Holy Spirit will be active, and during the seven-year Great Tribulation, there will be uh, the greatest revival by far, by far, by far in the history of the world. And because it's, it's going to be this great move of God's Spirit, people are going to get saved. Now, we also know that most of the people who get saved are going to be martyred for the faith. We see them in Revelation chapter 5, the, the, the tribulation martyrs who are, are, are murdered during the Great Tribulation. We find them under the altar of God pleading, How long, O God, how long until you 
uh, avenge our blood? And the answer, of course, is just a little while longer. Be patient. So, so yes, the Holy Spirit is going to work. Remember, we can't hear about Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit. So he's going to be taken away in his restraining role only. In his restraining role only. And that's when the rapture of the church happens and our light will be removed and the world plunged into darkness. The other question that you ask, can somebody uh, be a Christian without having the Holy Spirit? The answer is no. Jesus said, if you have not the Spirit of God, you have no part of me. And because uh, that remains true, that every Christian has to have this fullness of the Spirit of God. Now, our problem, Cindy, is that we see people who aren't operating in the power of the Spirit. It's equally true that we can quench the Spirit of God through disobedience, uh, through lack of repentance, through willful sin. We can... Uh, quench the power of the Holy Spirit, and we do that all the time. But but I've said this a thousand times. If you've met Jesus, if you've truly been born again, you change. doesn't mean you change completely. It doesn't necessarily even mean that you change quickly, but you change. You can't stay the way you are. And so someone who's not operating or walking in the power of the Spirit uh, they have a form of godliness, but denied the power thereof. There, there's no real power coming from their lives. Uh, but yes, if they were saved, if they were born again, and it was more than just words, if they were truly born again, then, Cindy, they're going to be in heaven. But the man who says, well, I got baptized or answered an altar call, so I'm saved, I, I made it to heaven, and then never lives his life for Jesus, that's a person who's kidding himself. I think that was sort of the heart that Jim just demonstrated in our call in the first half of the program. It breaks our hearts to see people who claim to know Jesus, whose lives aren't changing at all. So, Cindy, good questions. Those are your answers to the questions. Let's go to Mason County and talk with Ron online. Oh, we got Ron. He hung up. Ron, I'm sorry for keeping you on for too long. You can call. The lines are open now if you can hear. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Uh, Here's an anonymous question. He says, or she says, I think many conspiracy theories are true. Do you think we ought to spend time finding out about them in the interest of truth? Anonymous, let me say this. Oh, we've got Ron back, so I'm going to come back to your anonymous question. Let's go to Ron on line one. Ron, thanks for calling back. You're on the air. Uh, as always, I appreciate you. You're fun to listen Thank to. You. Thank you, I Ron. You're, you're, uh, you've been talking about the other son in, who's lived in his father's house all his life and never knew who he was and about making him uncomfortable. And i got a comment but a question at the end of this. The way he really made him un- the other son uncomfortable is re- he threw a party for the repentant son. Maybe we don't know that uh-huh. we're not throwing the party for the right guy right now. I don't know. <laughs> Timmy, you talk about uh, Bible teachers, and I'm going to get off and listen to you on the radio. What okay. what makes a good Bible teacher? What what are the things that really are important since you've been doing this so long? And I want to get on the, on the radio because I'm on a bad cell phone spot here. Okay, Ron. Thank you very much. What a great question that is. You know, Ron, a, a long time ago, uh, and Paula can attest to this, but one of the things 
that I used to pray before I got in the pulpit every time, whether my crowd was um, 10 people or thousands, um, is, Lord, if they don't understand the word that I say, may they see how much I love you. And so the, the, for me, personally, the highest priority is passion for Jesus and passion for his word. If I'm not excited about the word, uh, how can I expect anybody else to get excited about the word? Um, um, but, but a passion for the word. I think the next thing there, uh, Ron, is a passion for truth. You have to have a, a passion heart for truth. Uh, it's, it's just too easy to tell people what they want to hear and have them clap, uh, you know, uh, slap you on the back and say, great message, Pastor. It made me really feel good about myself. Um, but but if you're not giving them truth, then then you're not loving them, and that's the third thing. You gotta love what you do. You gotta love God's word. You gotta love God's people. And if you love God's word, you love God's people. Then you gotta communicate that truth in love to the people that God entrusts to you. And so those are the things for me. Um, uh, we're to study to show ourselves approved. But honestly, Ron, there's a whole bunch of people that have a lot of knowledge and a lot of solid doctrine. Uh, but have no love at all. And, and uh, you know, without love, you, you're not functioning by the Spirit, but, but instead you're functioning in the flesh. So I want people to know, uh, when they come to Bible study, that, that if they disagree with everything that I said, they'll know that I believed it with all of my heart. And if I believe it, um, I know the Holy Spirit will then chase them uh, and make life uncomfortable uh, apart from Him. So uh, I think that's really important. One other thing I think uh, that the, the characteristic that good Bible teachers really need to have is we can have really thick skin. Truth is, Ron, that every week, every time I open the Bible, and we again I do three Bible studies uh, each week, every time I know that there's a whole bunch of people not listening. Last weekend was a good example. Um, I give invitations all three services um, a, a few people came, uh, a man occasionally, but mostly women would come in. And I'm looking out at the men, and the Spirit of God is saying, where are the men? Where are the men? We men simply don't want to hear. And for a, a Bible teacher, that's the most heartbreaking thing at all. Last week I was at that place where Jesus was saying, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you knew, if you only knew that I'd come to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks, if they would understand that, then they would come to Jesus. And that they don't, you got to have thick skin. Jesus was the toughest man who's ever walked the face of the earth. The most loving, of course. But, but one of the characteristics that we don't credit him with enough is his toughness. And, and I need to be tough. Without my heart getting hard, without becoming cynical, I need to be tough enough not to care about what anybody else thinks, but instead to keep pressing on. So, Ron, thank you for calling back. Let's go to Daniel on line one in San Antonio. Daniel, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron. I was uh, listening to your radio show. Uh, I was thinking, so what do you, what, what, you know, for people who are new in the faith, uh, Christians who people who are converted, uh, what would you say should be the most important thing that they should learn to grow in their faith? Uh, and what would you suggest uh, 
you know, I know I've been to, I've seen some churches, they have like 12 step programs. They've got all kinds of, they've got different discipleship classes and, and, uh, but you know, it's kind of, it, it, the teachings, I know they, sometimes they vary depending on the, I don't know, they're denominational or not, but what would you say is the most important thing for a new believer to, to learn and, and how should they grow as, as a Christian so that they grow you know, to be a, a mature Christian and to live in the truth. Okay, thank you, Daniel. I can do that. We've got three minutes left, so why don't you listen on the off uh, offline and and uh, uh, give me enough time to answer this question. Um, three things. First, I'm, I'm going to use a religious word. I don't mean it in a religious way. Um, you know, the, the, the mainline denominations... Uh, in some religions that have all kinds of doctrinal problems, uh, are real believers in catechism. Uh, I'm a believer in catechism. We have to know what we believe. Uh, it's really important. We have to know what we believe. And, 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 and studying that, learning that, going over the basics, uh, the essentials of our faith, every new believer needs to go over that. Now, um, we have here at our church what we call a foundations class. And following what I teach, uh, we just teach through the Bible, verse by verse. Um, uh, he will will break it into uh, uh, different categories. Like uh, the first would be repentance. What's real repentance? Uh, what's, what does it mean to walk by faith? So we want to deal with those. It's a smaller class setting, and so there's conversation, discussion. But uh, one of the problems is not enough people come to it. Foundations isn't just for new believers, but it's for people whose foundations are shaky. And that ought to be a, 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 a ministry where um, there are so many people there. Um, because everybody, um, having said those two things, Daniel, the most important thing is teaching people who Jesus is. They've got to be in the Word, reading, whether they understand it or what level they understand it, isn't as important as allowing the Holy Spirit to change their hearts. What we do is to teach people who Jesus is. And the more new believers learn about who Jesus is, the better, the bigger, the greater he is, and the easier it is then to trust him. And that's what new believers need to do. They need to change everything in their lives. And that starts with learning who Jesus is and what he did. Um, Daniel, just for your sake, the book of Ephesians is a perfect example. The first three chapters are over and over just solid doctrine, what God did for us. Then the next three chapters are how we should respond and respond. It is a great New Believers book. Thank you, Daniel. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. Appreciate the calls and the great questions. You've been listening to the Word to Stand Up for Life. Lord willing, I'll be back with Paula tomorrow on the Date Day edition. See you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, the Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Oh,